0: Thank you, Jean. So, uh, as you've heard, this week's Bible character is Esther. uh, And we're going to be looking at God's calling uh, of her for a specific purpose. Now, if you've read that book of Esther or or seen the video there, you'll notice that it has extravagant parties, drunkenness, uh, showing off and pride, dubious advisors. Does that remind you of something? Party gate. <laughs> She's going out live as well, oh dear. At the to top it all, there is no mention of God anywhere in this book. So you actually have to have your eyes of faith open to see what God is doing, to see what God, where God is at work. And actually it's the same as today, isn't it, in our society? There is no God, a lot of people say, but we have to ask God to open our eyes, don't we, to see what he's doing, to see the work that He is doing uh, in our world and what our part is in that as well. So as Gene said, there are four main characters, two Jewish, so Mordecai and his niece Esther, Uh, the all-powerful king, uh, Xerxes, and then the villain of the piece, Haman. Uh, I guess if we were doing a pantomime, you'd... Boo and hiss at that point, but we're not going there. Not this morning. Uh, and then, um, <clears throat> just to give you a bit of the history, uh, the <clears throat> Esther's name in Persian. Um, oh, Esther is a Persian name, sorry. And it means star. Um, it's as if she was called to reflect God's light in this very dark period of Jewish history. And it's very much the same as us we're called to be god's light aren't we in this world uh, where there is darkness we are his light he reflects uh, through us uh, historically just so you know uh, in its day the persian empire was the largest the world had ever seen uh, it covered uh, what we would call today uh, turkey and hopefully there's a map there you might see it but it covers turkey Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, Jordan, Lebanon, Israel, uh, parts of modern uh, Egypt, Sudan, Libya, and parts of Arabia. It was huge, and the king was all-powerful. As far as the biblical order goes, uh, the story sits between Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra had been back 30 years previous to this, to start rebuilding the temple. And then Nehemiah uh, would go back 30 years after this point to finish off and rebuilding uh, the walls. So Mordecai and Esther were part of this large Jewish community who had been forced out of uh, their home, Judah, by the Babylonians. And actually they decided not to return with Ezra, Ezra uh, and they stayed put. And before the passage that we've read, uh, uh, as you saw in the video, the king's advisors attached this plot uh, to assemble (laughs) from the most beautiful women in the land a group, or a harem as they would call it, uh, just for the king. And then from that group, they were going to choose a favored one uh, who was going to take the place of Queen Vashti. (laughs) And Queen Vashti, was deposed because she would come and parade herself at one of those drunken parties. So that's the background. Now Esther's life, as you can see from that, is actually quite remarkable. So she's raised by her cousin Mordecai in this foreign uh, land and often actually quite hostile uh, to Jews. She's taken by compulsion to be part of this harem, but she finds favor. Uh, from everyone that she meets and is finally selected to be the Queen uh, instead of Vashti. Um, The odds are kind of hundreds to one, but she gets selected. And This uh, remarkable course of events wasn't an accident. Uh, It wasn't because of luck, or fortune, or her good looks, or her sparkling personality. It was God who had a plan And Esther was part of it. So Esther's purpose, as we've seen, was soon revealed. Uh, The villain in the story, Haman, hatched a plot, didn't he, to kill all the Jews uh, at a prescribed date in the future. It was agreed by the king, and once the king agreed it, it could not be changed. Nothing could stop it. And so as we come to chapter 4 that James just read for us, Mordecai is in great distress. He's absolutely broken. Uh, he sees the desperate situation the Jews are in and he just cannot hide his pain. And Esther sees it and she says, she wants to know what is going on? What has broken you like this? And uh, Mordecai explains this impossible predicament that they were all in. I'm just going to summarize the five points really so that we can just see how did they get through this and how do we get through these times when the circumstances are almost impossible and we need to find what God is calling us to. So, just five points. Firstly, Mordecai puts on sackcloth and ashes, uh, if you read in verse 1. And that speaks of humility. He humbles himself before God by putting on this kind of coarse sacks and throws dust up in the air. doesn't get angry at God from what we can see. He just humbles himself. And there's a, some verses I've put against each point that you can uh, look up later. So first point, humility. We humble ourselves. We don't get angry at God. Second point, Mordecai speaks truth to Esther. Did you notice that? She wasn't aware of her potential to act on behalf of her people. And sometimes we, we need to speak truth to each other, don't we? Uh, To remind ourselves of God's potential, what he can do through us. So we need relationships where we can speak truth to one another to help us to look to the potential of what God can do through us. Thirdly, Esther listens and considers, she ponders, but actually the penny doesn't quite drop because she does a good thing in that she doesn't minimize it. She doesn't go, yeah, this will all get sorted. She looks and says, this is bad. But then she looks and she says, but you know, I can't just go to the king without his permission. I haven't seen him for 30 days. It looks impossible. And she actually then decides, actually, yeah, it is impossible but Mordecai reminds her of truth again and he says look God's going to sort this out with or without you and at that moment it's just the penny drops and she recognizes that yes God had promoted her in exile for such a time as this and she must respond with courage faith and wisdom to fulfill this call uh, fourthly she asked for prayer with fasting now as i said at the beginning god isn't mentioned prayer isn't actually mentioned but in the bible there really, fasting is always linked uh, with prayer uh, so we have to look at that and realize they're actually saying prayer and fasting she realized to do this she needed support prayer support and actually We do too. The circumstances we face, if we want to respond to God's call, we need people to pray for us, don't we? We need that prayer support. And sometimes you've got to give up your food. But God responds to that. So prayer and fasting. And we have a prayer team here available, don't we, most weeks. We should avail ourselves of that. Uh, Ask for that prayer support because we need it if we want to fulfill what God has uh, called us to do. And then fifthly, uh, she was determined to be obedient. Whatever the cost was, she said, look, if I die, I die. You know, many around the world, uh, in the Christian world, would do anything for God and they are willing to die and give it up. No cost is too high and that's a challenge to us. Okay, maybe just to me. We get very comfortable, uh, but God calls us to obey uh, whatever the cost. So there's those five points. Uh, the remaining chapters show how God answers prayers, as we've seen, and gives Esther access to the king and a new decree enables the Jews to be delivered from this seemingly impossible situation. And Haman gets a pretty horrible come uh, comeuppance uh, as well so God called Esther to be involved in his saving of the Jewish nation she had to listen as we've seen she had to listen to truth and Haman had to speak truth she had to respond with faith, courage and wisdom so what is God calling you to do? Now, God could do it himself because he's God. But graciously, he chooses to involve you and me in his plans. It's important we respond to that. Some people might be here and thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. Who is this God? Well, God calls you if you don't know him as a chance to say, look, you need to turn away from your sins. Turn to God. He's calling you to be cleansed, to be made new, to receive eternal life, hope, purpose. We're going to have communion in a few moments and uh, you know what a time if you haven't done that to actually, as we're taking the bread and the wine, symbols of his death, his blood, that you too would um, receive new life uh, and be forgiven and be renewed. So for those of us who have already received Jesus, it's a time when we can just respond to God's call, an opportunity to remember what Jesus has done for us, to humble ourselves, to commit our lives and saying, listen, whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it. I've got this one life and I have to do what he calls me to do and to be obedient uh, to that. So. Let's join our hearts in in prayer uh, before Patrick uh, leads us in communion. Lord, we thank you that you call us. The Almighty God comes to us and you choose to work through us because of what Jesus has done. Open our eyes, Lord, to see you and what you're calling us to do. We admit we need you. Uh, We are aware of our weakness without you. But we're also aware of your overwhelming strength and grace that you give us in Christ. And Lord, as uh, we're here praying together, we just want to bring our young people, our young adults who are at Satellites. We want to pray for them. We want to ask that you uh, would speak to their lives, that they would hear your call uh, to, to know you, to be saved but also what your call is to serve you uh, in this world, that they would be indeed satellites reflecting your light into the world that you call them into. Lord, bless them, be with them, transform them, we pray. And we ask that too for our hearts uh, as we seek to respond to your call uh, to this world. Lord, thank you for involving us in changing this world. Amen.